Good morning, everyone. I'm Wimala, and uh, we're here today on a beautiful, once again, my spirits are up because it's a beautiful sunny day. It's cold, but it's very sunny. Um, and as I was saying yesterday, this is this is when when the when we change, when our moods change, depending on the weather. That's a good practice to look at that and see why that why the weather controls our mind and try to work with it so it's not such a big influence. So easier said than done. But I, I know it is for me. So, oh, okay, I thought I had the wrong book. We finished our wonderful book uh, by Robert Thurman, Wisdom is Bliss. And so... I was looking for new material to read from, maybe not the whole book, but to read some of the some of the uh, chapters in it. And my one of my favorite teachers from many years ago is Buddha Dasa. And Buddha Dasa, Ajahn Buddha Dasa or Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, and I uh, found from reading again in this book that Buddha Dasa, the name. It's Buddha, and then at the end of it, it's Buddha, and then D-A-S-A, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu. Buddha Dasa means slave of the Buddha, and that was his name through his. He had lived a very long life, um, became a monk when he was 20, and he's from Thailand, and he died in, I think, 1993, left a lot of writing, uh, in uh, Wisconsin, there is, uh, he was a monk, but he has, uh, he was a translator for uh, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, or Ajahn Buddha Dasa. And he sometimes comes to the Theosophical Society here in, uh, in Illinois to teach. And I've been able to be in a, a day workshop with him. And he has a retreat center, and it's now called Kivala, and it was Liberation Park, and they're building it into a bigger uh, retreat community. So his name, it, it, it's called uh, Kivala Retreat Center, or Kivala Center. Anyway, he, he was the translator and then has continued to carry on the teachings of uh, Buddha Dasa. But Buddha Dasa's books are wonderful and, and uh, listening is their wonderful websites where you can listen to the, his talks and, and you can get all of his books in PDF or uh, ebook form. So the book I'd like to read from is called, and I know it's backwards, this is from Wisdom Publications, and it, it's been published. It's been out for a long time. I can't remember how long. I've had this book for a long time. It was first published in 1994, the year after his death. And it's called Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. And You know, we talk about in the Buddha's early teachings in the Pali Canon, he talks about the heartwood, and the heartwood is the is the core is the the best wood of a tree so you don't find heartwood in uh, bamboo 
or in something that's hollow. But the heartwood is the is the strongest part, the essential, the most essential part of a hardwood tree. So the heartwood of the Bodhi tree, the Buddha's teaching on voidness. So if you haven't read about or know uh, Buddha Dasa's teaching, he he was rather controversial when he was a younger monk in Thailand, and he became very famous. And this book has, and I'm not going to read this today, but this I will go back and read the foreword and the introduction later. The uh, they're they're very good, and they're also uh, you could go to Wikipedia and read the same things. The foreword was written by Jack Cornfield and uh, full of admiration for his teachings. And the preface was written by Santicaro, I think. Yeah, Santicaro, when he was still a monk in Thailand. So that's the preface, and it's, it's very good. And then the editor is, uh, I think that's also... Santicaro, or it's also it's another translator. So, the this is his book, the Buddha's teaching on voidness or sunyata, and this is the concept of uh, no self, and that's one that's so difficult for all of us. So I wanted to read from a, the first chapter today, and it's a very short chapter, but he's talking about. Uh, the Buddha Dasa was really interested in that handful of leaves. You know, the Buddha said there's there's so much to know about the world and there's so much that he he had experienced when he became enlightened. But what was important to him was to teach not from not from all the leaves spread around in the forest and all the leaves still on the trees, but that a hand the handful of leaves that, that he talked about that refers to the most essential teachings that that help us uh, end our endless journey in samsara that helps help us find an end to suffering and he and the Buddha talked about that and Buddha Dasa talked about that handful of leaves quite a bit and he wanted to get back to uh, the the basic teachings. Oh, thanks. Eva says there is a PDF available. And I really recommend this book. He was, Buddha Dasa was very famous for being able to communicate what had been considered uh, topics a little bit too difficult for lay people. At that time in Thailand, those would be most people. Like lay people would be the villagers and the people that didn't have a monastic education. So he was criticized at first for trying to teach uh, complex, uh, comp- complex teachings, and uh, and he insisted that people could understand these, and that the, this was the handful of leaves the Buddha wanted people to understand, and he was uh, very successful. So we will we'll go back and read some of the introductory material later. But I'd like to jump right into the book. These are from uh, Buddha Dasa's words. Chapter one is fundamental principles. I'm just going to read and then we'll sit together. Let us investigate the fundamental principles of Dhamma, natural truth. 
So he's defining Dhamma. He's, this also has a great um, notes and a glossary of Pali terms where he explains things in a very clear, beautiful way. Let us investigate the fundamental principles of Dhamma, natural truth. I would like to discuss these essential points of Buddhism in the hope that a grasp of them will help you advance in your studies and training. If you don't grasp these points, you will get confused. You will feel that there are a great number of things to be known, and they keep increasing <clears throat> until there are too many to remember, understand, or practice. Now, I know all of us have felt this before. This confusion of the is the root cause of failure. This is very important. This confusion is the root cause of failure. It leads to discouragement and an intense and an interest increasingly more unfocused and imprecise. In the end, it's, it's as if one is carrying a great load of knowledge around on one's back without being able to remember, understand, or make use of it. Therefore, I would like to focus on the essential points of Buddhism, or Buddha-sasana, which are necessary for a correct understanding of Dhamma. I emphasize the fact that these points are fundamental principles because there are some kinds of knowledge that are not fundamental, and there are some kinds that are misunderstandings, deviating little by little until they are no longer Buddhism. Or, if they are still Buddhist teachings, they are offshoots that continually branch away from the trunk. And it's the trunk of that, the trunk of the Bodhi tree. <clears throat> the quenching of dukkha. To call something a fundamental principle of Buddhism is only correct if, first, it is a principle that aims at the quenching of dukkha. And he his uh, short definition of dukkha is pain, misery, suffering. And second, it has a logic that one can see for oneself without having to believe others. These are the important constituents of such a foundation. The Buddha refused to deal with those things that don't lead to the extinction of dukkha. He didn't discuss them. Take the question of whether or not there is rebirth after death. What is reborn? How is it reborn? What is its karmic inheritance? These questions don't aim at the extinction, at the extinction of dukkha. That being so, they are not the Buddha's teachings, nor are they connected with it. They don't lie within the range of Buddhism. Now, this is this is an area uh, on rebirth that about Buddha Dasa is is even today still as uh, un, is more unconventional, and there are lots of uh, disagreement among Buddhist scholars. But Buddha Dasa is saying the the teachings, uh, these questions don't aim at the extinction of dukkha. That being so, they are not the Buddha's teaching, nor are they connected with it. They don't lie within the range of Buddhism. Also, the one who asks about such matters has no choice but to believe indiscriminately any answer that's given, because the one who answers won't be able to produce any proofs, 
and will just speak according to his or her own memory and feeling. The listener can't see for herself and consequently must blindly believe the other's words. Little by little, the subject strays from Dhamma until it becomes something else altogether, unconnected with the extinction of dukkha. We know that's true. All those discussions about rebirth and how it happens and what it is, and uh, those usually just become debates or they become, well, this is what I believe, and this is everyone has a different belief. Now, if we don't raise those sorts of issues, we can ask instead, is there dukkha, or how can dukkha be extinguished? The Buddha agreed to answer these questions. The listener can recognize the truth of every word of the answers without having to believe them blindly and can see their truth more and more clearly until he or she understands for themselves. If one understands to the extent of being able to extinguish dukkha, that is the ultimate understanding. With such understanding, one knows that even at this moment, there is no person living. One sees without doubt that there is no self or anything belonging to a self. There is just the feeling of I and mine arising due to our being deluded by the beguiling nature of sense experience. With ultimate understanding, one knows that because there is no one born, there is no one who dies and is reborn. Therefore, the whole question of rebirth is quite foolish and has nothing to do with Buddhism at all. The Buddhist teachings aim to inform us that there is no person who is a self or belongs to a self. The sense of self is only the false understanding of the ignorant mind. There exist merely the natural processes of body and mind which function as mechanisms for processing, interpreting, and transforming sense data. If these natural processes function in the wrong way, they give rise to foolishness and delusion, so that one feels that there is a self and things which belong to self. If the natural processes function in the correct way, those feelings don't arise. There is the original mindfulness and wisdom, satipana, the fundamental clear knowing and true seeing that there is no I or mine. This being so, it follows that in the sphere of the Buddhist teachings, there is no question of rebirth or reincarnation. Rather, there are the questions, is there dukkha? And how can it be quenched? Knowing the root cause of dukkha, one will be able to extinguish it. And the root cause of dukkha, the suffering, is the delusion, the wrong understanding, that there is I and mine. The matter of I and mine, ego and selfishness, is the single essential issue of Buddhism. The sense of I and mine is the one thing that must be purged completely. And if it follows, if it follows that in this principle lies the knowing, 
understanding, and the practice of all the Buddha's teachings without exception. So that's pretty strong. And, uh, yeah, the matter of I and mine, ego and selfishness, that's, that is, that we do know that that's the, the most single essential issue. A single handful. There aren't that many fundamental or root principles of Dhamma. The Buddha said that his teaching is a single handful. A passage in the Samyutta Nikaya, and that's the uh, one of the books of the Buddha's teachings, a passage in the Samyutta Nikaya makes this clear. While walking through the forest, the Buddha picked up a handful of fallen leaves and asked the monks who were present to decide which was the greater amount. The leaves in his hand are all the leaves in the forest. Of course, they all said, there were many more leaves in the forest, that the difference was beyond comparison. Try to imagine the truth of this scene. Clearly see how huge the difference is. The Buddha then said that similarly, those things which he had realized were a great amount, equal to all the leaves in the forest. However, that which was necessary to know Those things which should be taught and practiced were equal to the number of leaves in his hand. From this it can be seen, compared to all the myriad things in the world, the root principles to be practiced for the complete extinction of dukkha amount to a single handful. We must appreciate that this single handful is not a huge amount, It is not something beyond our capabilities to reach and understand. This is the first important point that we must grasp if we want to lay the foundation for a correct understanding of the Buddha's teaching. So, I'm going to read this paragraph again. Just From this it can be seen that compared to all the myriad things in the world, the root principles to be practiced for the complete extinction of dukkha amount to a single handful. We must appreciate that this single handful is not a huge amount. It's not something beyond our capabilities to reach and understand. This is the first important point that we must grasp if we want to lay the foundation for a correct understanding of the Buddha's teachings. We must understand the word Buddhism, Buddhasasana, correctly. These days, that which is labeled as Buddhism or the Buddha's teaching is a very nebulous thing because it is so extensive that it has no limit or definition. In the Buddha's time, a different word was used. The word was Dhamma. It's with a capital D, D-H-A-M-M-A, Dhamma which specifically referred to the Dhamma, or teaching, that quenches Dukkha. The Dhamma of the Buddha was called Samana Gotama's Dhamma. The Dhamma of another sect, say that of Naganta Nataputta, would be called Niganta Nataputta's Dhamma. One one who liked a particular Dhamma would try to study until he or she understood it, and then would practice accordingly. 
The Buddha's Dhamma was genuine and pure Dhamma, without trappings, without any of the numerous things that have come to be associated with it in later times. Now we call those trappings Buddhism. Due to our carelessness, Buddhism has become so nebulous that it now includes many things that were originally foreign to it. You should observe that there is Buddhism, and then there are the things associated with Buddhism. These latter things are endless in number and variety, yet we mix them up with the former and call it all Buddhism. The real Buddhist teachings alone are already abundant, as many as all the leaves in the forest, but that which has to be studied and practiced is merely a handful. Nowadays, we include those things that are merely associated with the teachings, such as the history of the religion or, the, or an explanation of the psychological aspects of the teachings. Take the Abhidhamma, the higher Dhamma. In the Abhidhamma are those teachings that most people go, oh, the Abhidhamma. Um, it's considered the, the uh, he'll, he'll explain it. Take the Abhidhamma, the higher Dhamma. Some parts of it have become psychology and some parts philosophy. It's continually expanding to fulfill the requirements of those disciplines. In addition, there are many further offshoots so that the things associated with Buddhism have become exceedingly numerous. They have all been swept in together under the single-term Buddhism so that it has become an enormous subject. If we don't know how to take hold of the essential points, we will think there are too many and we won't be able to choose between them. It will be like going into a shop that sells a great variety of goods and being at a loss as to what to buy. We, we all know that experience. Or we go online. So we just follow our common sense. A bit of this, a bit of that, as we see fit. Mostly we take those things that agree with our defilements. Those are, that's kilesa is a Pali word. That's a, this is wonderful. Mostly we take those things that agree with our defilements rather than let ourselves be guided by mindfulness and wisdom. Then spiritual life becomes a matter of superstition, of rites and rituals, and of making merit by rote or to ensure against some kind of fear and there is no contact with real Buddhism. Let us know how to separate true Buddhism from those things that have merely come to be associated with it and included under the same name. Even in the teachings themselves, we must know how to distinguish the root principles, the essential points. Yeah, Susan says that's a powerful message. It's very powerful. And Buddha Dasa's, uh, his gift was being able to, to talk to uh, village people and scholars and, and everyone in between, and they, under, they could understand him. So it's a, 
incredibly powerful message, but a very simple one. And he's saying, you know, all I have I have said this, and everyone I know who's uh, who practices uh, being a student of the Buddha, we're always saying there's so much to read, there's so much out there we need to read, we need to study. And Buddha Das is saying, if you really want to do what the Buddha taught and said he could help people with, there's not that much. It's getting down to the very basics, to the essentials. And then we know how to live our life. So then we're free to study. Then we're free to study everything there is. We're free to experience uh, lots of different teachers, lots of different things. But if we know the basics and we're working with those in our in our daily lives, then we're not overwhelmed. So I hope you like uh, Buddha Dasa and uh, Eva has put a link to the to the PDF and it probably goes right to um, I think uh, it goes to Suan Mulk. I don't know Thai, so I'm probably slaughtering that name. But the uh, his his center in uh, Thailand. That's still that's still active is S U A N M O K K H, and you can Google that, and you'll come up, I think, with Suanmolk uh, dot org, and that's one place you can find a lot. You can find his talks that have been translated by Santicaro, and uh, you find the audio, so there. There are like 760 hours of his teachings and audio by uh, an American uh, Chicagoan, originally Chicago-born uh, teacher. So you can hear uh, all of his talks, and most of them now have been gathered up as well in books, but those books are all available. So the one we'll be reading from together is Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, and I'm excited about uh, reconnecting with Buddha Dasa because I found his teachings when I first read the book years ago very exciting, very uh, just like, oh, okay, this is wonderful, this is great, this, this helps narrow things down, and it's good to be getting back to him. And I'll try to find out, too, some of uh, the more controversial areas and maybe read uh, responses from uh, different different monastic scholars and what they say about that. So I've used up our time for meditating, but I wanted to mention another book that I just got, and it's uh, I think it's a new one from Bhante Bhikkhu Analeo, it's called Developments in Buddhist Med- Meditation Technique. So it's a paperback, and it's not very expensive. Developments in Buddhist Meditation Traditions, the interplay between, between theory and practice. And I think that topic just sounded interesting to me. Um, yeah, it's brand new. And he's, you know, he's in residence at the Bari Center in... Uh, Massachusetts. So he's looking at it. 
I, I think it can be it's going to be fascinating, but it's definitely on a little bit more scholarly ac academic um, although once you get into his writing it's very uh, it's scholarly but it's it's understandable. So he looks at uh, mindfulness of breathing, the luminous mind, purification of the mind, and absorption, which would be samadhi, and then immeasurable boundless states. And so he's looking at all of the different meditation traditions and talking about uh, how they're practiced, different ways they're practiced. But for now, we're going to be looking at uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. I don't want to get you confused and overwhelmed because I, just, <laughs> I know what that feeling is like. So I'm afraid we've used up our time. And at uh, 11, there's a Dhammapada class online that uh, Bhante Bhadia is doing. And I think right now, Bhante Sujata is doing a coffee uh, on Zoom, coffee with with Bhante. So uh, if you're here watching me, thank you. And maybe others will be able to listen to this first chapter in Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, uh, Heartwood Retreat Center in uh, Hendersonville, North Carolina, where Panyawadi and Panyadipa's uh, center there, of course, is named after this phrase, and it's one the Buddha uses in different suttas. So the heartwood is what we want. That's the quality. That's the part that will help us. And then everything else can fall into place around that. So I'm really sorry we didn't sit today, so I hope you will. And may everyone be well and happy and peaceful. And may no harm come to you. And may everything we say and do and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all sentient beings everywhere. <laughs>